Hi friends, today on the Successful-ish podcast, we're talking to ballet instructor and playfulness ambassador, Ramona Schmid, answering questions like, when does a hobby become a part of our identity? How do we discover our passion? Why do we feel like playfulness and success are opposites? And how can we use our passion to have a deeper and healthier connection between our body, soul, and mind? As always, we try to keep our conversations uninterrupted because we like it that way. If you would like to help us keep it that way, you can support this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash successfulish slash support. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Successful-ish. I'm Sarah Michelle. And today on the podcast, we are talking to dancer extraordinaire Ramona Schmid, who is a playfulness ambassador. I love that title. And a mentor for adult ballet dancers. A late starter herself, she helps dancers around the globe access ballet in a juicy and playful way. She deeply believes playfulness is the ultimate means by which we humans learn successfully. Her approach combines ballet with mental imagery, improvisation, which is always a tricky word for me to say, improvisation, mindfulness, and dance anatomy. She works with amateurs as well as with professional dancers and artists. And I'm so excited to talk today about how Ramona took her love for dance and turned it from a hobby into her profession and has found success in that. So Ramona, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, I'm so happy that I'm here today with you. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And I know you mentioned that you are calling in from Austria on way other side of the world. Exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so before we jump in the conversation, what is something that you failed at this week? Hey. <laughs> um, I would say doing the groceries. So I'm really, really, I always fail in doing them. So I don't know, maybe for some people, this is the easiest part of the week, but for me, it's always, <laughs> it's always a disaster. So yeah. a never ending story would love <laughs> to solve that uh, puzzle piece one day. We all have our things. I I actually really love grocery shopping. Um, I don't know what it is about it. Like I, I love it, but I also, I will drive out of my way to go to the cute little grocery stores rather than the chain grocery stores. I don't know. It makes me feel fancier and more grown up, but then I get all my groceries home and I generally fail at the meal planning and the cooking of the groceries because once you have them all home, it's a lot of work. A lot of work to figure out it's how a lot of work yes honestly yeah. i mean we all know it's a lot of work yes you can spend a lot of time to do it in a good way and i mean i love cooking that's maybe um the problem yes but um yeah so if the the fridge is empty so there is no cooking eh? <laughs> yeah yeah no i i have the problem with the cooking part of it and especially because i live by myself and so it's a lot of work like just for me and so I've become a little bit of a lazy cook. I've been trying to step up my game and uh, be a little bit fancier with myself. Well, maybe we should build a team. Huh? So yes. You, you yeah. We a, need to somehow yeah. magically be roommates across the world and I'll do all the grocery shopping and you can turn it into food and it'll be the perfect match. I'm in for that. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into dance. I know that you mentioned um, that you were a late starter and just have this passion for playfulness. So what inspired that and what brought you to where you are today? Yes. Yeah, so it's really a, a crazy story, I would say. So, um, yeah, I started at the age of 26 and actually, um, the love for ballet really hit me unexpected. So um, I wasn't prepared for that. And um, yeah, so people often call it or say it's a hobby. So you really need to be careful if you uh, call it a hobby in, this, in the scene of adult ballet dancers. <laughs> so because um, the moment you step into it and you start to love it, you really... Um, yeah, it, it's more than a hobby. So it's really, 
it sounds maybe cheesy, but a lot of people say it's like coming home. Yeah, so finding the peace of also finding the the missing peace, yeah, uh, in yeah. the life. And um, yeah, so this is where when the passion start, started and um, I was far away of thinking about doing a business, yeah, a ballet business. So and also doing ballet business, this is uh, also very unusual. Um, but um, maybe because I was, my story before was different. So I really was outside of this ballet bubble. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't grow up in that environment. So my approach and my view was different. And I felt that there could be more available. So this is because I added the anatomy and the improvisation and the work with the imagery. And then I found out that this maybe is something that really would other people help too, to, to make this progress. Because the problem is, as soon as you recognize that it's more than a hobby, you also want to make more progress. So it's, it's not only about you know, enjoying yourself, of course you do, but this, this shouldn't exclude the longing to make progress. And then slowly I crafted this um, approach and, and started to share it with people in a very classical sense in, in teaching ballet classes. So this is how the, the business started. I mean, meanwhile, I'm really internationally um uh yeah available for the dancers really for the people who want to make uh, great progress and so this was another uh, up leveling for my business of course and it's just the next step so um who knows what comes next <laughs> that's awesome and i i love how you say that is the difference between having a hobby and having a passion and i think that i think that everyone's experienced that kind of moment where we all sort of have our hobbies or things that we do for fun, but there is something different when you come into that thing that feels like I should have been doing this my whole life, or maybe just that, that feeling of this is a part of me. It's almost like that passion becomes a part of your identity. What was it for you? Like, when did you take your first dance class what was that moment like and what was the what was the experience like of you realizing this is a part of me this is something that I need in my life yeah beautiful question um I mean there were several moments and again very cheesy it was really that I was touched to tears just hearing that classical music and knowing that I'm um allowed myself to be in that space and just go for that passion so that was really a strong feeling and yeah I mean it's it's so beautiful because you have it the body is so involved on a, such a different level it's not a you know daily movement that you do and then there is the music which touches your soul yeah and this all happens at the same time so it's really an intense experience yeah yeah, I, I think that's a really good way of putting that. I feel like I feel like there's a really strong just mind, body, soul connection that often gets overlooked. And that was similar for me. I my hobby that became passion was um self-defense fighting and learning boxing and that kind of thing. And that was not something oh, that I ever grew up. I mean, I grew up as like a little ballerina, so I wore the ah, little tutu and the pink. <laughs> And I, I never would have pictured my childhood self in a boxing ring. Um, but it was, it was similar, that moment of being moved to tears. And I don't think that sounds cheesy at all. Um, I think that there's something about when all of those parts of you, the mind, body, soul connect, there's something really beautiful about that, that I think really elevates you to that higher spiritual self that, I think we're meant to live in more often than not, but life gets in the way or maybe we're not allowed to, or we're not taught how to do that. Um, what was your experience like growing up as a kid? Was that something that you were taught to do to sort of seek that spiritual type of living? Or was that something that you figured out in an adult life? Like what does that mind, body, soul connection look like for you? 
Um, first, um, thank you so much that you put it so get, together in such an amazing, beautiful way. Um, uh, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, when I think back... Um, Family life is always busy, yeah? so this is what I remember. And it's not that I, I always was the child who um, loved music. There was always this passion. I also loved to dance. I really used it to regulate my system. Yes, I didn't know what I, what I did back then, but I really needed it to calm myself down, and I used it. Um, and... Yeah, I think, I think it, it it got lost a little bit, not a little bit, actually uh, a lot. <laughs> so I think this this was the reason why then I, I was moved to tears, as, as you said. So And there are several reasons. Yes, busy family life, um, having younger siblings and also, you know, being involved in these dynamics. We all know about this. Then maybe, yeah, yeah having not access to the environment or there is there are no classes available very practical stuff in the end yes um so this made it um difficult i would say to really stick to it or later then when i think back also um all the educations i did all the the school i mean it's it's busy you have a busy life then yes all in a sudden and then it's just yeah, it's life. And I hear this so many times. I mean, there are many people out there and they, they feel the same, yeah, that they found their love or their passion and this one beautiful connection again. And then um, if you ask them, but why why did it stop? It's very uh, simple stuff that was going on, yeah? Just we moved the house or we, you know, the, the teacher quit the job and such, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that it, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of times as adults, I feel like we we shortchange our needs. I think that, you know, we have certain needs that we don't ever sacrifice. Like we need to feed ourselves and we need to hydrate ourselves and we need to move our bodies and all of that kind of thing. But it's almost like life gets so busy that we reduce ourselves to the most primal needs and we cut many of the other needs off. And I think that we have this harmful belief that these other needs are, I don't know the word extra or that they're wants or that they're not necessary. And a luxury. Yeah. Yeah. A luxury. And I think that we need passion I think that we need something to be passionate about. And I think that, you know, when I think about training and, you know, the physical aspect of actually connecting to my physicality, it has become something that goes in my schedule to the same degree of feeding myself. Like I have to feed myself food to live. I also have to exercise my body and my mind to live. I have to have social engagement to live. And I think it's a different way of thinking about things. Can you try to talk a little bit about what, like what your process is like, or how you see that in your mind of making something that fuels you become a, a need, a non-negotiable for you? Yeah. That's a big topic. That's an amazingly big topic. And I talk so much about it. And I think I even have it on my website and it's um, about, um, yeah, so ballet was never a luxury. So it's a fundamental human need. Yeah, so it's really the the the, the longing to express yourself. So this is should be on the base. Yeah, so really not to neglect ever. And I mean, you see, it, it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm 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 really um, impressed that you really found a way to to stick to it and to really put it on the same level as yes. Um, having drinking water and taking food so um i absolutely agree so it's really this and again also the the passion part so it's i'm talking so much about it this and um people they struggle so much to allow that passion 
And I had, I suffered the same. Yeah. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to start. Yeah. It makes no sense in a way to start late with belly and then finding love. Yeah. So it's really, and this, this really causes people to struggle. So there really is this, um, despite making great progress. So if I look back, I made all the time, I made great progress, but the struggle was in my, my head, in my mind that I had difficulties to allow myself to really walk that road and yeah. just make this important in my life. Yeah. How much of that do you think came from you versus how much of it came from other people? Because I feel like one thing that I notice is that when we become critical of other people, it's often because we're feeling restricted ourselves. And I noticed that a lot of people are feeling restricted. They feel like they they don't have permission to pursue passion. They feel like they are tied to their obligation. And so when someone makes time for passion, a lot of times it's criticized or, you know, it's made fun of, or it's diminished, or there's a kind of a bitterness about it. And I think that comes from feeling restricted and feeling like, oh, that's not fair that that person can do that. And I can't, um, which isn't true. It's just a choice of how you prioritize. But when you think about that struggle of embracing your passion full-time, how much of that came from you and your own self and how much of it came from outside influence or perceived outside influence? I would say it's a mix. I mean, it wouldn't have been inside of me if I wouldn't have been um, confronted with it earlier on. So it's a conditioning, of course, mm -hmm. I would say. Yes. So definitely yes to that one. Um, yeah. And um, so I remember that I really, especially because I, I actually, I, early on had the wish to really go into it, not only for myself. Uh, I really wanted to, change ballet yeah profoundly in its course so this was a big vision and i really unfortunately i needed to learn it was part of the game and i mean there are many people out there they experienced it in a similar way that i really was very i learned to be very careful um with whom i share my vision so in the early state it was it felt very um, dangerous, of course, uh, because it was it was big. It was really big, and um, I had no idea how how to get there. Yeah, I I think that that is huge, and I I think I don't know if you're familiar with Sarah Blakely. She's the founder of Spanx, um, but she yeah. said the same thing of to be stingy with your dreams. And I think that's something that a lot of us learn when we have creativity or we have this big vision or this unconventional vision. I think it's really important to be stingy about who we share it with, because it's almost like you have this little spark and you're like, oh, I'm bringing this spark to the world. And other people are like, you can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's so fragile. I yes. think that you have it's to super fragile. Yes. You That's have the to word. fan it and yeah. build it up until yeah. it is at a point exactly. where a little bucket of water or a little isn't yes. going to take yes. it out. So yes. how do you discern, um, how do you find your friends or your people? How do you discern, like, this is someone who I am going to allow into my dreams, into my community versus this is someone that I'll be nice too, but maybe yep. we, maybe we are not best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a never ending story. And I really discovered a new layer um, of it just the last few weeks. Um, because yeah, when I started, that was really the dream to teach adults and make this big, but now there is al already a community and um, I, I needed to be honest to myself and, um, there are different types in that community. Yes. There are people, they really, they do it, they do it. And I don't want to say just for fun, but they are, yeah, they just want to enjoy it. They don't have the need or don't have the feeling that they want to, you know, access it in, yeah, go deeper into the body mind connection, for example. And that's awesome. That's cool. So that's just their way. And for me, it's just, again, and here it's a little bit business-wise, uh, niching, yeah? So who are my people? So it's not necessarily about the vision anymore. 
and yes, also, but um, yeah, because there is a scene meanwhile, and um, yeah, it's different for everyone. Yeah. So I want to talk about that, that playfulness and keeping it fun, because I know, especially in something like ballet and particularly across Europe, there are some very serious ballerinas where it, from an outside perspective, it doesn't strike me as fun when they're waking up at four in the morning and dancing until their toes are bloody and, you know, like giving their life for dance. And to me, I just wonder, like, do you still enjoy it at that point? Or is it more just about being the best? And on the other side of that, as a business owner, I know how hard it is to run a business. And I wonder sometimes when you have something that you love or, and are passionate about, but now you have to figure out a way to make money off of it and to make it a business. Sometimes that can get in the way as well. So you are in a really interesting space of being in ballet and running it as a business. How do you create boundaries in your life so that you are becoming better every day? You're pushing yourself to be more successful. It's not just a fun, flaky hobby. You're also pushing yourself to bring more people in to make more money in your business so that your business is successful, but you're also enjoying it for yourself. How do you create those boundaries so that it's still fun for you? Mm. I mean, I think um, at the core of all of this is really the playfulness and the learning, the never ending learning. So I think this helps a lot. So I don't feel like I need to, I don't know, protect myself or make boundaries. It's it's not so much about this. Maybe it's, I mean, it's a word that it's more about the alignment. So just there's always a next step. And I really try to figure out, okay, now I need to go a little bit, yeah, literally go a little bit left and then right and a little bit up and down and a little bit. So, I mean, it's a dance. Yes. And I, it's, and I'm also very busy in in my own progress as a dancer. So it's not that. So there are very different aspects and it's it's challenging, but in a way it's really what I need. Yeah. So it's yeah, that's it's, awesome. It's, it fuels so all the, the the aspects they they work together and I need this. I really need this. So I'm I don't know, I'm wired like that. So it's really, it's really it helps me to yeah, generate the energy. Yeah. Well, I think that's important just to have a healthy mindset towards it as the source, to have the right view of something and to not get distracted by, um, not to get distracted by the ambition, but instead to be fueled by it, I think is something yeah. that we all can slip into periodically. And the other thing I think is interesting about any kind of I think any kind of physical passion or maybe even any kind of creative passion is that there's these certain, um, I don't know, rules or choreography or fundamentals of teaching someone how to do something, but there's also it's personal expression. And so a lot of it is knowing how to sort of throw away the rules and just express yourself. So as a teacher, how do you balance that of teaching people? Here's the fundamentals of how to do ballet correctly, mm -hmm. but also teaching people, you know what, if you feel like moving your body this way, that's not maybe traditional ballet, but to express yeah. yourself, yeah. that's okay too. How do you balance that? Good one. Mm, I would say that my approach is uh, different here because it's really um, about the connection to to the body and the feelings. So, I mean, we all know that ballet is super strict, or it was super strict. And my, um, my part of my journey is to question this. Yeah, is it necessary that we are that strict? Yeah, that we, you know take out the soul in a way and the, the, the own expression because of the technique and then put it together. For me, this is a very old way of thinking. I, I, meanwhile, I can say we never, uh, we're not built like that. So the body doesn't learn like that. This was a very simplified kind um, of view. Um, it's way more complex. It's way more complex. And I really encourage my people to find that 
dialogue with the body and it's they, they really need to learn to permanently listen to the feedback and then it becomes in the process uh self-expression and then what we do is we fill the form in a way but it's not uh you know separate things where you take this out and then you take that in so it's way more fluid yeah. How do you teach someone self-expression? Because that that's always an interesting, I, for me, that was something that I feel like if I think about self-expression in my journey, I feel like it's something that is naturally in you as a child. I feel like it was just a natural part of me that was then criticized or trained out. And then I had to figure out how to unlearn and re put it back in. So it's one of those weird things that we all have access to, but maybe don't know how to access. And for me, a lot of it was watching other people who had already accomplished it. I don't know that anyone could have given me a textbook on self-expression and said, here's how you do it. Step one, two, three. I don't think I would have got it. I think that for me, I had to see other people who were living that way. And it pushed me to sort of say, well, why is this person different. Like this person is living a life that I want. Like it's contagious. They have passion. They're connected. They're confident. They're secure. They have joy. So when it comes to teaching other people, what does that look like as a curriculum? How do you teach someone how to be themselves? Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is that we, I don't need to teach it to them. Yeah. So it's because they are themselves. And, um, but as you said, the problem is that we, we have a lot of rules in our mind. Yes. We think we need to do this and be like that. So it's more an untangling. Yeah. So I definitely mm -hmm. see it as this too. And what I can do is I can help them. And first thing is to create a safe space. Yeah. So, and, um, and I mean, we also do a lot of talking. We do a lot of reflecting, which is not, you don't do it normally in belly. So it's, um, also voicing what's going on in your body. This is also very interesting. And actually I do a little bit, a trick a little bit with them. <laughs> so, because if, if they learn to allow the body to move in a way that the body wants to move this naturally unlocks self-expression also on an emotional level so there is no way you yeah because and that's for me it's this is such an it's amazing yeah that this is really <laughs> um to how we think who we are this is reflected in how we use our bodies so you can also access it over, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> over the body first. And then it's a little bit easier to, you know, just to observe and see oh, why I'm holding so much tension here. And why am I holding so much tension there? And this is the untangling on a embodied on a physical level. And yeah, I mean, we know it's so connected to, to the whole system. Yeah. And it's yeah. so interesting just how the body holds on to emotion, how it houses emotion. And that was something that, I mean, no one really talked about when I was growing up. I think I was in my thirties before I learned that. And it's interesting because once I learned that so much made sense because sometimes I think our bodies tell us things before we're ready to admit it to ourselves. I think there's a really strong connection of our bodies physically remembering certain traumas that maybe we don't or housing certain stresses or fears. Um, I think the first time I learned about this was in my early thirties. And I learned that fear and anxiety gets locked in your hips. Mm -hmm. I just thought that I had bad hips, but then it mm -hmm. all made sense. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I have anxiety too. And so once I started working on my hips, my anxiety got better. Mm -hmm. And I know it's very common with things like dance or things like yoga. Um, I've had those moments, even with doing fighting when I'm doing, um, more of the Krav Maga where you're with someone else, there's been moments where it's kind of unlocked emotion and it's interesting, just the healing process of sometimes 
just moving your body and pushing your body through it teaches you how to listen to your body and process your emotions. So Mm -hmm. as someone who is kind of more skilled in dance and the physicality of it, what has that been like to not just on your own, but to see students maybe realizing that as they're dancing and being able to support them in that way as well. And to help them understand that part of the playfulness and moving their body is in being able to give themselves permission to maybe deal with some of the mental and emotional things that they might not have been ready for, or might not have even realized that they had. Big one. (laughs) Again. um, Yes. I mean, these are the moments when they realize that it actually, we are not working on ballet here (laughs) in the one-on-one setting. So, because it's so, it's so much more. So it's, yeah, so it's all the emotions that are locked in the body. It's really how we perceive the world, what we think is true, what we think is wrong with us or what, um, yeah. And in the end, I would say it's, we always end up in, in, the, in the place of, of um, self-acceptance. So maybe this is, this is something that always comes up and this is something I really encourage people to go there. Yeah. So that they can work with that and that they are not afraid of what comes up and that they know they can navigate through it with the body and with all the tools they have. Yeah. I'm I'm curious with something like dance, it's so interesting because I it is it's self-expression. And so theoretically, anyone can be self-expressive. But I think we also all know people that we would maybe not pay money to see dance. Um, Maybe that's just not their calling in life. So how do you how do you work with students who love dance, but maybe are not super gifted at the physicality part of dance? How does that impact your definition of being a successful dancer and sort of how do you walk that line between having the technicality of being skilled enough to execute really well, but also just the general success of doing something because you enjoy it and love it. How do you navigate all of that? Um, Yes, I mean, again, this is also, I'm a big um, fan of questioning the aesthetics of ballet. So because ballet is really strong here. And I mean, we also need to be aware that this is something we are used to see. So Mm -hmm. aesthetics is just a a pattern. (laughs) So it's not, and it's something that we can change. And I'm definitely also on the side of, bringing more emotion so here the emotion really kicks in into ballet and just not neglecting but not putting so much um on on the the, the perfect form yeah. um and then actually it comes becomes very human <laughs> so and here i had for me but that's me i mean i had really i had many times when i really stood in dance class and i was moved to tears just because i could see and this is nothing to do with a body shape or with a technical level that people enjoyed themselves in the moment or they were in the state of playfulness where where no rules are important and this is such an amazing space to be in it's so incredibly beautiful to to witness so this is something I definitely encourage my people to go there to dare to go there yeah it's so it's interesting to watch and it's almost like a dance in and of itself between strength and vulnerability which I feel like we often think of as opposites um I think that you have to be vulnerable to be strong and it It's an interesting thing about self-expression because it would seem to say out loud that being yourself is a challenge sounds silly. That should be the easiest thing that we ever have to do is just be ourselves. But for whatever reason, (laughs) we live in a world where it is incredibly difficult to be yourself. And I don't know where these beliefs 
come from where we think that we have to be perfect or we think that we have to be, you know, superhuman. Um, but there is something about seeing someone who is just in the fullness of themselves mm-hmm. and they're not bogged down with the anxiety of it or the worry of what other people think or the critique. Yeah. They are just enjoying life. There is something that is really inspiring about that. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you to sort of get to that point? Because I think that again, while it should, it should be an easy thing to just enjoy life Mm -hmm. and enjoy being ourselves. It's not, I think we all go through Mm -hmm. a journey (laughs) to push past, um, basically to push past a bunch of people who refuse to do that and to be brave enough to be ourselves. What was that process like for you? Was that something that you really struggled with growing up? Was that something that came more naturally for you? What was your journey like in, in reaching a place of actually being able to enjoy being yourself? Yeah, so that was definitely a wild mix of, of course, um, childhood and and friends and society and um, I mean what comes up for me is I remember in my first ballet classes the moment when you stand in front of the mirror first row whoa this is such an it was so uncomfortable to me amazingly and then I really I realized okay wow what's going on here really be in first row and watch yourself and feel comfortable. So that was definitely a challenge. And uh, I mean, it is now it's not, maybe not this, but again, it's an ongoing story. Yeah. So yeah. Now, how, how do I show up in my business? How, how do I lead? What leader do I want to be? How much do I want to share about my personal ballet story? And this is also a never ending story how much progress do I want to make? Um, absolutely. So, so many layers here. Yeah. I, I think that I, I wish that when I was growing up, um, that someone had taught me how to have that balance of something being fun. I think that my experience as a kid was every time I found something that I enjoyed, there became this pressure to be perfect at it. And then mm. I didn't enjoy it anymore. And I remember as a little girl, I loved ballet dance. I wanted to wear the tutus and the sparkly outfits. I was just full girly girl, all about the dancing. Um, But then I took a dance class and it was so boring. I mean, it's just up and down on your tippy toes the whole time. There was no smiling. You have to be all proper. You're getting a headache because your hair is all in this tight bun. Um, and then to inspire me, I had a family member take me to go see the nutcracker and I fell asleep. I, I don't mean disrespect to the, the nutcracker, the professional ballet. I just thought it was so boring. And I had so many dance teachers telling me, you know, you're such a gifted dancer. You need to stick with this. You're so naturally gifted, but I hated it. It was so boring. And then I don't know, did the movie step up, make its way over to Austria? I don't don't know. Okay, there's a very cheesy but fantastic movie <laughs> called Step Up that came oh, out years ago. I was probably in high school when it came out. Um, but it's about a girl who was training to be a professional dancer and a guy who was a little bit of a hoodlum troublemaker and got in trouble for vandalizing a dance school. And so he has to pay back his debt to society by cleaning the dance school. And then he ends up having to be the dance partner to this ballerina who needs a partner. And they end up sort of having this, um, fusion of technical ballet and street dance or hip hop dance where, you know, he has a very different style of dance. And some of the choreography numbers are just fantastic because they are doing ballet, but they're also mixing it in with music that has a beat and it's fun and there's expression. And I remember watching that at, I don't know, 18, 19, whenever it came out and feeling like, you know, if I had known that ballet could look like that, I would have stuck with it. That looks like way more fun than just squatting and having someone lift me up 
you know, in an inappropriate place. And so it, it's interesting. I think just, I think sometimes it's human nature to be joy, enjoyable things, because we almost feel like joy and success can't go together. And even I look at things like, like sports and there's so many rules and people get so intense about it. And like, you realize like, this is a game, right? Like this is, <laughs> this is a bunch of guys throwing balls at each other. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think that that is just, it's an interesting dynamic to me. And I'm curious, um, as a teacher, if you see that even more often than, than trying to teach people how to get the ballet, right. Do you feel like you have more people where you're actually trying to teach them how to not worry about it as much and to have fun? Like, Oh yes. Where, where do you think the resistance to playfulness comes from? Like, why do you think we're so averse to playing? Yeah. Good question. Um, because it's so in our heads that if we really want to, become better then we need to take it seriously and we need to work hard yeah so really this very deep patterns and it's the same in dance um yeah do it i don't know how many hours a week a day the more the better so this is so in in the in the systems yeah and that this is really hard to to crack to crack open so um also part of my story so i'm really um i'm, I'm working on that on a, on a thesis about playfulness and i would really love to show people to be able that actually to make big leaps to make great uh, success you need to play it's impossible if you don't play that this is not People are still, I don't know, thinking that playfulness is, you know, this la la la. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's not serious then if you do it. Yeah. But actually, this is for me, it's the ingredient to hit your goals and yeah. to really be an exceptional dancer, exceptional human being. And I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will become more and more important. Yeah. So, the times are rough and um, yeah. uh, you need to be prepared, but in a way of being playful yeah. and access troubles or systems or whatever it is in a playful way. Otherwise we're, yeah, <laughs> we have a problem, I would say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I love that you're writing a thesis on playfulness. Mm. That that sounds like such an oxymoron or such a, a contradictory <laughs> thing to, oh, yes, it is. to research and <laughs> thesis on playing. Um, but you know what? I think that I think that as humans, we need more space for that kind of duality in our lives and for realizing that two things can coexist. Yes. That having playfulness doesn't mean that we just goof off and don't care about anything. Like you can be playful and keep priorities in check and not get bogged down by the seriousness of it, but also show up for yourself and your goals. I think it's, it's like a relearning to realize how to hold space for things that feel like opposite, but actually Mm -hmm. have to go together to make us successful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know at 26, I'm curious, did you have other jobs outside of dance before you did dance? Was that your first kind of profession or did you have a professional life before going into ballet? Yeah, um, I did many different things before. So I started in um, in my early 20s um, being a, a construction site manager. So I managed construction sites. So very technical <laughs> Oh yeah, it, it just like ballet, uh, same uh, profession. thing. Profession, <laughs> <laughs> So it still amuses. I'm I'm really amused myself. So if I look back, and I was twenty girl, twenty year old girl, and I, yeah, <laughs> you can imagine um, having that much responsibility. And yeah, but I recognize that this is not my dream job. Huh? Um, and I had a short phase where I studied um, fashion design. 
but it was more to reconnect with my creativity because actually I was a very, very creative person and I'm still one of them. Um, and then I um, learned to be, be a jeweler, making jewelry. So I uh, learned to be a goldsmith in Switzerland. So this is again, a completely different part. Um, but in a way I was, yeah, very passion driven by playfulness always. So I really did what, what, what felt interesting to me. And uh, I didn't care so much about if it made sense or not. Yeah. How did those past jobs prepare you for your current job? What did you take from them that helps you be successful in what you're doing today? I mean, the technical thing is definitely something that learned me to be analytical. So I think I, I can do this. I have this. I have also this strong um, straight side. Um, then making the jewelry, and this is what I recently found out, this was all about um, working, co-create with the customer. <laughs> so, and this was what I really loved. So I never was the person who was good in, you know, throwing out a collection just because I felt the collection. <laughs> I always needed to be a team so that I have the back and forth. And this is what I do now again with my uh, people, with my mentees, because I now really work one-on-one. -on -one. And it's also very artistic. So it's it's really this um, finding out what, what you want, what you need, and bringing my expertise um, to the table and then find, find a solution. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, yeah. I know. So at least here, the worlds of construction and ballet particularly are very gender polarized. Mm. It's not very common in America to have male ballerinas. They exist. They tend to be more effeminate. And it's not to say there's not the outlier, but it just is a more traditionally female space, the same with construction. There are females in construction, but it is more traditionally males. Mm -hmm. Is that similar in Austria? I know ballet is a much bigger thing in Europe. Is it similar? And if so, what was your experience like being in both of those industries? Yeah. So it's definitely the same, I would say here. So it's yeah. Constructions very male driven <laughs> and dance is still something yeah more on the yeah female side um yeah what can i say about this i mean yeah it's interesting because yeah now i really could see that i i really was on, on both sides yeah so really on the extremes on the on the on the spectrum um it's always interesting to me because i feel like I feel like when we think about gender stereotypes, they're, they're self-constructed. There's no reason they need to be there. Absolutely. There's no objective rule that a female or a woman can't work in construction or that a man can't be good at ballet. It's just something that society has decided for whatever reason. However, because those constructs are there, I personally find that it affects my image of my identity or my perception of my brand. So there's a way I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I just feel like there's something, if I'm doing something that feels traditionally feminine, mm. it channels a different part of me. I view it differently than if I'm doing something like fighting or, mm -hmm. you know, construction or like fixing something around the house. If I'm doing something that feels like it's not very feminine, it almost makes me view myself differently. It's like, there's a different lens that I look at it through, if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. I mean, what comes up for me is now also um, that the settings are very uh, straight and strict and it's the same for construction stuff and it's the same for a ballet because I, I just found a, uh, an article about a feminist way, more or less, to uh, ballet pedagogy. And so this is a topic that really, really hits my core because this very strict form 
So this is really, you know, um, why? So again, so this is, we are really wired like this because we think it needs to be that straight. And this is how we learn. And maybe the female way to learn, yeah? So we really forgot about that part is more. And now we are on a different level of awareness. We are more playful now and we are, we, we go with our cycle. So we learn to integrate this and use the wisdom. And same here for ballet. So, um, yeah, and maybe same for, if I look back uh, for the construction side um, team, when I look back, I really did a great job, but I didn't, I didn't feel it because I felt under pressure. I don't know, so I, I, because actually it's not made for women, I would say, but just the, how it is organized. So I never suffered as a woman Many people ask me, how was it, Ramona? Wasn't it difficult? How did they treat you? And I have to say they treated me amazingly well. So they respected me on a, such on a high level. That was never the problem. It's more the, the whole thing, yeah? How it is, is um, yeah, structured on a very base baseline. Yeah, it's, just, it's interesting. The, yeah, the narratives that we tell ourselves and even um, a lot of beliefs that I had like when I went into the fighting world, I had beliefs that I was going to have to prove myself, that people weren't going to take me seriously, that I wasn't going to be strong enough or good enough. And you run into the occasional person who feels that way. But for the most part, most guys don't like you're all peers. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I, yeah, I have uh, girlfriends who have worked in construction and they actually are very respected because one skill set that women tend to have a little more um, successfully than men do is communication. Oh, yes. And <laughs> that's a big thing in construction and contracting. If you have a chick in your company, she's going to answer the phone and yeah. call back and put things on a calendar and have social skills. She's going to think about things like when you leave a home or a job site, do you vacuum and clean up after yourself afterwards? And it's those little <laughs> tiny things that mm. are going to set you apart and make you successful. Um, and I think that it's, I think that there's something really cool when we are able to sort of let go of all of the noise and the preconceived ideas that we have about culture or success. And if we can figure out how to create space to let that go and just to look objectively at what's in front of us and say, do I enjoy this? Yeah. Am I good at this? Does this make my life better, more enjoyable, more fruitful? Mm. Um, how do you find that space in your life to, to be honest with yourself and check in and ask yourself, you know, am I doing this because I feel committed mm -hmm. to it? Am I doing it because I love it? Like, am I, what do I love? What do I not enjoy? How do you create that space for yourself? Or am I able to create a space? Hmm. I mean, I'm constantly observing. So I'm really trying to become more and more aware. And yeah, it's, it's really something that, um, yeah, it's hard because we tell ourselves so many stories. It's amazing. So if you just would go for this, yeah, first feeling, I don't know, is it helpful? Yes or no. <laughs> Do I like it? Yes or no. Why is it so difficult? I don't know. So I'm really observing what comes up. What am I telling? What are the fights here? Hey, come on, just, just make a decision. Yes or no. So it's not, it's not a big deal in the end, but it is. Eh? So it's not, it's really not easy. I mean, what I really love is to um, reflect more and really sit down and write. So this helps me a lot also in business to really... Uh, have time and and go over over the week, uh, close the week and start the week like this. So this is something that definitely helps me to become aware about the voices <laughs> and also to just write the stuff down yeah. <laughs> and do it, go for it. Yes. And, you know, the, the moment I decided that I want to do this, then I just do it. And then you, I do not enter the space of, but, uh, you know, but Ramona, did you, uh, maybe you should, you know, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, sometimes you got to tell that internal brain committee to just shh, 
Shush. Shush. <laughs> what will no, like? I decided it already. So I've yes. written it down. So we go for this and Oh. Yeah, I yeah. it's funny. I especially as being a business owner, I almost have um internal staff meetings with my own brain where when the thoughts pop up, I'm like, you know what? I am busy right now. If you would like to schedule a meeting, we can talk about this Friday at two. Awesome. And it it's a weird, it sounds really weird. Um, but I actually think that it's been really helpful to if I have voices of doubt or criticism Mm. or needing to think through things that noise can keep me from being successful at anything because it's just a never ending string of questions and thoughts. And so I've started giving myself specific times of, you know what, Mm. I will think about all this for 20 minutes on Friday, or I will spend an evening, like I'll block out time. And I think that sometimes it's really just about learning how to, how to say, I'm not ignoring you. I will talk to you later and getting done the thing that we need to get done and not overcomplicating it for ourselves or talking us out of trying something or doing something. Yes. Yes. What are some ideas for someone who maybe is not good at playing or doesn't know what that (laughs) means? Um, What are some places that people can start to learn how to be a little more playful? (laughs) I think actually we know exactly when we are playful so it's really the you can say it's a it's a flow state it's it's and it definitely has to do with um, the noises in the head because if you're in the flow you know there is no time to have conversation here so and this is why it feels so healing (laughs) same for playfulness so you just don't care you just uh yeah Give yourself time and 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 um, yeah, absorb or yeah, difficult. <laughs> I never gave a, gave a real explanation. So, um, it, but actually, funny. I can see it in the people. So because you can see if the mindfuck goes on, mm-hmm. and then you can help people out to reprogram this. So I think it's if people really struggle with it, it's 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 easier really to do it in a in a setting where I can give them a little bit of a guidance, and then I can. I mean, what always is good is also come back into the body because then the the mind is not as loud. So. And then again, maybe the, the trick, a trick with them, or I, I, I just um, bring their awareness into the body and then they, they are in a playful, more playful state and they just don't recognize it. So this, this can definitely help. Yeah. I, I think for me, like I'm not a, I have playful moments. I think I have a playful sense of humor, but I am not good at playing. I never have been. I was that kid as a little girl when everyone would dress up and play pretend. I was kind of like, there's no point to this. Like, why, (laughs) why are we playing house? We live in a house every day. I don't need to reenact it. Like, and that was just always, I don't know. I I'm very goal for goal oriented and goal focused. And even if I start off with something that is fun, something takes over in my brain that makes me feel like, okay, well, I have to, I have to be the best at this. I have to Mm. practice at this. And I think that it's been a challenge for me to do things just for the sake of enjoying them, because I often feel like everything has to have a point. There has to be a reason I'm doing something. And it's very hard for me to do something where I don't feel like I have a reason to do it. There's no end goal. You know, if I, if I'm hiking, which I love doing, it's usually because I need to exercise my dogs. And so in that example, like if I had to work hard at being like, you know what, I am going to hike just because I like hiking and maybe I won't even take my dogs. I'll go by myself and I am going to, I'm going to force myself to have some fun. And it's, I think it's a challenge to learn how to how to even remember or give ourselves permission to do things just for the sake that they bring us joy or just for the sake of laughter. I mean, I think it's not only this. 
I mean, a very important part is definitely curiosity. I would say curiosity mm -hmm. is definitely a core piece of playfulness. So def definitely the enjoyment and the joy. Um, but maybe it's more curiosity. So it's because I had a session today and it's also not where we found out that there is also a um, place for structure in playfulness. So it's also not completely unstructured. It's right. more how do I approach something so that my curiosity is on board too and there are many ways to do it for example for that person we found out that she feels playful if we take work on a pirouette but we approach it from different angles so she works through them for the next four weeks and then she um, puts the put the focus on the on the arms and the next time she concentrates more on the legs so this creates playfulness but actually we had we found out and we were surprised both <laughs> that we had a strict plan so it was really mapped out in a perfect way but she felt awesomely playful in that process yeah I love that. Again, as you said, this duality, so we can yep. have both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's part of it too, is realizing that a lot of rules that we think are rules are not actually rules. Exactly, yeah. I, I think it's a process of just learning how to trust yourself and feel safe trusting yourself and yeah. to feel safe saying, you know what, I know myself enough to be able to trust yeah. what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And maybe something that works for a lot of other people won't work for me, or yeah. maybe something works for me that nobody else understands. And that's okay. And that's a big one. So yeah. it's really, and I, I always need to point it out. So in my work, this is a big one. Yeah. If you reach that, if you can trust yourself, yeah. Is your process and that you're able to create this so that you that you feel in control or maybe you want to feel playfulness. So yeah, this absolutely. is it. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question I want to ask you is what would you tell someone who wants to enjoy their passion full time? They they <laughs> want to make it their life, their profession, their everything. What would you tell that person? Uh for me, it worked out <laughs> and I, I would do it again. So um, go for it. So I can only life in general and we also need more passion in, in business and yeah. it's possible. So it's definitely possible. So it's, it's doable. <laughs> Um, I it's love that. Dance. It's a challenge for sure, but doable dance. I love that. That's gonna be my new uh, mantra for the week. This is a doable dance. Uh, well, Ramona, thank you so much <laughs> for joining and sharing your time and your thoughts and your expertise. Uh, for anyone listening, would love to hear your thoughts and what inspires you to be playful. Send us an email at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at embracetheish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, but behind need most steps. Had to show the learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through when the past just 
look back, successful ish, you can see how it contrasts. Fayez and wins, use the past and then bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Fayez is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see, I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Have a teacher me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals and a few look toasted. Can't take them back cause you already spoke them. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused. Focus, live between success and your moments. Successful Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successful ish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful ish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope with that I roll up my sleeve. I'm successful ish. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successful Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successful ish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successful Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope with that I roll up my sleeve.